0: Welcome to The Pursuit of Purpose, a podcast made possible by Skylife Success, a SkyPass group company. Join Krish Dunham, an author and speaker whose messaging has been described as the junction where God's ability and man's availability meet hope's accessibility. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. This is your humble host, Chris Dunham. Back in Dallas after a quick jaunt over the weekend to Las Vegas when I had the privilege of engaging on Saturday night with some people within the mainstream of the political arena and they wanted me to bring a moralist angle to some of the things we face and see around our culture. That's just to bring you up to date on the happenings and then uh, on Thursday of this week we'll find ourselves in another nation that we have visited before and talked about as we begin a week of deliberations there with both uh, sides of the spectrum dealing with both the secular and sacred and the slender line that divides them. But it is a Monday, and uh, we are on the last day of a month that uh, marked a new year. We saw tremendous changes during this time. We saw world that uh, reacted in some places, responded in other places, but now as we creep perilously close to the month of February and then get on towards March, we will be reaching that auspicious two-year mark where the world itself changed. So what I want to offer for you today is something from the annals of a book called Hard-Headed, Soft-Hearted. So you may see that title in the next couple of podcasts. It'll have the same title, Hard-Headed and Soft-Hearted, but we'll try to paint moods on it. So this will just have the serial number one. There were some 20 principles written in the book Hard-Headed, Soft-Hearted by a colleague uh, Rick Beluzzo and myself. Rick, of course, had the incredible privilege of being the, a senior executive with Hewlett-Packard and then a stint as president of Microsoft, eventually chairman of Quantum, then some incredible assignments overseas and along the way a knighting by the government of Italy. Rick's own father was brought to America as a prisoner of war during World War II, eventually returned to San Francisco, which is where he made his home, began his life as a garbage collector, earned his stripes as a machinist, and had an incredible run in the Bay Area where his son became one of those prominent technology figures. In fact, if you're ever in San Francisco and get to go to the Plown of Santa Rosa, you'll see a park, marked Joseph Beluso Park, and that is to honor Rick's father, who is credited with her bringing, to bringing soccer to the Bay Area. But that's just a little bit of history on my colleague and friend uh, who had a very illustrious career, but who gave me the privilege of writing this book, Hard-Headed, Soft-Hearted, with him. Those were principles given to him by Dave Packard who simply said, if we're going to survive in life and we're going to thrive as leaders, we need to be hard-headed, soft-hearted, which means results rule, but people matter. This, in a byline, it says, lessons from the boardroom to the break room. So today, I want to paint for you three of those principles in all we articulated 20. So maybe we'll have about six or seven podcasts that may come out of that book. I've never been watched for self-promotion on this, but I think as we look at the times we are in, we need a righteous moral leadership that will govern ourselves and govern those around us. I've always erred on the side of being a commentator and very rarely delved into the arena of either politics or culture to the degree that I want to stand as either an activist for change or a rationalist to point towards behavior. So here real quick are the three principles. The first principle is compete and complete. The cultures we live in are now addicted to counterproductive behaviors. It is almost as if on a daily basis, we see the fall of common sense and the rise of ignorance in a duality. It's almost as if we don't want a vacuum to exist when we remove something stupid or we dethrone something irrational. In its place, we want something equally uh, obnoxious to fill that void. So cultures are addicted to counterproductive behaviors. Job security is archaic today, and it's been replaced with employment security. And those of you who don't know that are finding yourselves on the wrong side of gravity. A job security is being tied into the dental benefit and the mental benefit and the security that comes with having a guarantee and a salary that is totally dependent on what someone else thinks your worth is. Employment security, on the other hand, is related to the skills you bring to that very job, knowing that at the end of the day, if that job ends, that the field in which you can participate is wide open. Case in point, wherever in the world you're listening, if cricket is the predominant sport, or if you're listening in Europe and soccer is the predominant sport, or you're listening in the United States and American football is the predominant sport, Or if you were in Australia and just got to see the Australian Open and that mammoth struggle where Rafael Nadal uh, emerged victorious and uh, surpassed his other two contemporaries to now hold the record for the most number of Grand Slam titles, wherever it is. The word compete and complete actually separates winners from people who also ran. I don't use the word losers because comfort zone thinkers are not bad people. Comfort zone thinkers just participate, but winners not only compete, but they compete to complete. The difference between compete and complete is actually one word, L, and if you don't introduce that word, it ends up to be quite a loss. The future we live in warrants an adaptability and a flexibility that asks us to compete and complete, but do so with the idea that whatever sport you're playing, wherever in the world you're watching it, you probably have a hero. It may be Ronaldo in soccer, and it may be an American football player like Tom Brady, but each of them will tell you to a fault. That if their team suddenly cut them for whatever reason, either they felt that they were not contributing enough or that the money that they uh, were taking as part of the salary clap was too much, and they were suddenly found themselves on any given day completely uh, without employment, someone else would pick them up, not because of what they did, but because of what the skills they have can do in the new arena where they will be used. So if you want to compete and complete in this world, which has radically changed in the last two years, have that adaptability and flexibility. You see, individuals and institutions need to look at the addictive behaviors that stifle growth and begin to change them. If there are certain behaviors that have been counterproductive, ask yourself these three questions. Which of your behaviors is your biggest weakness on the job? As it made you be on the sidelines during these two years when the opportunity to emerge as a hybrid worker uh, presented itself for the first time? Many people don't think of themselves as that way. Uh, sometimes when I go into an office, they'll say, hey, we've been asked to work for home, but I like people. I understand that, but the need to participate and the need to engage is in knowing that you are not called to just compete, you are called to complete if you wanna be a three percenter. So first question you need to ask yourself, which of your behaviors is your biggest weakness on the job? How are you going to change the way you grade unacceptable behavior? Now, if you're an employer, this is a standard you have to ask yourself. Are you over communicating with the people who are working in this hybrid world and are away from your physical view and vision? Which means are you trusting them to get the job done and are there moments of frustration when you gave them an assigned task, but you know they're working out of the house. But one of the things you know, and you know that you know that you know, and you know that in your heart that you know that you know that you know, is that they have interruptions when they are away from you. Now you're going to treat them as adults because it's a hybrid workplace and you want to protect them physically and mentally. But uh, they're going to be prone to those interruptions. So how are you going to change the way you grade unacceptable behavior? This goes back to if you're competing and completing and you want to win, you have to now involve yourself into space you historically never involved yourself in. Remember that. When people work for you, we always said to ourselves that we don't need to do anything and we don't care about what they do when they go home. But if you're now paying them to stay home, you have a moral responsibility to your shareholders and your stakeholders to get involved to see, are you actually getting eight hours worth of work? And I know the world has changed, and you're saying because they don't have the drive time to get to work and all of the distractions, they can stay home and probably in four hours accomplish what you're paying them for eight. That's how you grade your economy, that's fine. But the first question, which of the behaviors is the biggest weakness on the job? Second, how are you gonna change the way you grade this unacceptable behavior? The third, probably the most important, is what new skills will you ask people to learn to create new habits and new behaviors? What new skills will you learn and what will you ask others to learn? I'll give you a quick story, and maybe as this podcast rolls out, we may just get enough time to do one principle and uh, deal with hard-headed and soft-hearted and cover one principle and the questions therein. Some many moons ago, I had the privilege of training one of the airports in the country, and uh, I primarily had the dubious distinction of training the parking lot operators, which means these are the toll booth operators and the people who man the parking lots, and so there were different shifts so i had to sometimes speak from 11 at night to 6 in the morning and i did about 20 different sessions with people because i wanted to meet them when they were the most effective on their shift now it was very interesting that at that time the people who were manning this booth and uh, allowing cars to come in and go and this is before we had the automotive tail automated toll tags that allowed you to whiz through the entry and exit to airports and tollways This was a time when the person physically took a ticket that you had punched in on the way in, uh, inserted the ticket, looked at the amount that came up, asked you for that amount, and took that amount from you either by way of a credit card or a cash transaction or if you didn't have any money, an IOU, I guess, and they, they did bill you. This was before the cameras picked up your license plates and they could actually didn't have to worry that someone was defrauding them. But anyhow, that is the basic premise. I'm called to motivate these people who do this for eight hours a day. At that time, it was in the early 90s, the going rate was about $12 an hour is what they were making. They were competing. Many of them had come from other countries like I myself had come. Here I was the instructor and they were in the audience. Some of them were angry, some of them had gratitude, some of them were miserable, and some of them were belligerent. But to a T, all of them, when I asked them the question, what would you change? The basic change was, I feel I do more or I deserve more. There is not a person on planet Earth who doesn't believe that he's underpaid and overworked. I have not yet met one person in my life who had the gratitude to believe that what he gave his organization was not nearly enough. It was always, I am, I am owed more than I give. I've never met one person who ever came into my office as a boss and said, you take that money back. I actually think I am underworking for what you're giving me. So with that in point, when every one of them were complaining that $12 an hour was maybe something that they needed more to get to survive, and I understand that. I began on a minimum wage job, and I know that minimum wage is just that. It is minimum wage. The very word is minimum. It's not a maximum wage. It's not an affordable wage. It's not a livable wage. It is classified as minimum because that is what you can get away with, or that is what governments have mandated. When I first began, minimum wage was about 3 bucks 35 an hour. You account for inflation, it should be about 8 and a half an hour, but there are places which tip about 15 and they are paying a different kind of price because the cost of goods that an organization produces may not be able to sustain that, but that may be a political debate. But in that time the Dallas uh, the area where I was their parking lot operations was making I don't know 60 million dollars a year or something like that and you can imagine with inflation what that arena does today but going back to the basic premise I make 12 dollars an hour and I think I need 14 or 15 dollars an hour The very question that I posited to them shocked them in a way that they never expected to be shocked. They expected expected me to pacify them by telling them that some economies work, cultures work. No, I gave them an onus on competing and completing, hard-headed, soft-hearted, lessons from the boardroom to the break room, results rule, but people matter. I basically said and here's the crux. Here's the entire podcast. Here's what you need to learn. Here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to internalize. Here's what you need to vocalize. If you want to go from $12 an hour to $14 an hour, you need to ask yourself and ask yourself with absolute honesty, have you at least amassed $2 an hour in new skills to be able to sustain what you demand? Now, if you believe it is owed to you, you will never make that leap of changing the will you have into a marketable skill that you own so that there is a thrill in your life saying that not only have I added $2 or $3 or $5 an hour in new skills, I have earned the right to ask for more because I have used this time to understand that the quantitative leap I want my employer or my consultant uh, work to pay me is based on the fact that I have gone out and decided I'm not just going to compete, I'm going to complete. I am going to learn new skills and new habits and new behaviors. If they say hybrid, I'm going to stand in front of them and say the reason I'm going to be successful in your new hybrid way is I changed my very way of discipline. When COVID started, I started waking up at four. Most days I was waking up even by five o'clock for sure. But now I made a rule. I'm gonna wake up at four and I'm gonna read from four to 4.30, I'm gonna write from 4.30 to five and then I'm gonna go back to sleep from five to six. There's not an employer who'd want you to work before 8. But if you go back to sleep from 5 to 6, learning new skills you learned just that morning, internalizing and personalizing them by actually taking the physical steps of reading and writing, and then vocalizing to yourself in the quiet meditation of that disciplined nap you now take from 5 to 5.45. I guarantee you, you will wake up energized. You will not have woken up today based on last night's lament. You will have woken up with a new friend outlook for something you just put in about 45 minutes ago. So as you look at hard-headed, soft-hearted, as you look at the series of principles we're going to roll out to you, I encourage you to subscribe to our newsletter at info at skylifesuccess.com, info, I-N-F-O at skylifesuccess.com, where weekly we put out a missive of some kind giving you an idea. I encourage you to share this podcast with others. I encourage you to jump on the YouTube channel. I encourage you to become part of that team that can say, we're going to think differently, we're going to act rationally, we're going to compete professionally, and we are going to complete victoriously. Until next time, this is your humble host, Krish Dunham, saying, don't just compete, complete. And that concludes another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose with Krish Dunham brought to you by Skylife Success. Please subscribe, rate, and visit us on the web at krishdunham.com and skylightsuccess.com, where you can find our social media links and access to additional resources. Till next time, happy learning and happy living.